This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Dart Depot is proud to be partnering with SENZ to bring you the very best in darts. 180! Talking darts, this is At The Oki on SENZ. Yes, and a very good evening to you all. Welcome into At The Oki here on SCNZ with Ben Francis. We are back for 2023. And boy, since we were last on air, there has a lot happened in the world of darts. We have a new world number one, a new world champion, a heap of new players on the professional tour. And the season has already started a lot earlier than usual, but the best of the best in the world have already been back out playing darts all around the world. So it does not stop in the world of darts, and we are glad to be back talking more darts with you here on SCNZ. And, and of course, the show could not be done without our great sponsors at the Oki, darts, dartboards, lighting, and more, the Dart Depot. I'm Ben Francis, and we'll be with you through until 9 o'clock tonight. And joining me in studio, I've been looking forward to seeing this man again. It's been a very, very long time. It is the big rig, Ben Rob. Mate, how are you? Good, mate. Good to be back in the, in the booth again and talking darts. There's lots to talk about. Oh, there certainly has been, and you've been a very, very busy man of late. You only just got back in New Zealand, what, a matter of hours ago. Yeah, yeah. I got out of the airport at 6.30, got home, quick shower, quick food, and come in here and do some radio with you, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah, happy on my toes, mate. I was like, oh, is he, is he coming? Is he coming? But nah. no, glad, glad to have you here. But where, where have you been for those that don't know? Yeah, um, I played an online comp last weekend um, on Darkstream Live. Uh, played well, and uh, Greg from the Misfits said, come on, mate, come over to Perth. This is Sunday night. Thought I'd ask the boss. He said, sweet. Lana said, yeah, sweet, no drama. And then uh, on Friday, uh, flew to Perth Friday morning and um, played the ADC. Uh, my first uh, time playing the ADC, and mate, it, was a, it, was a, it was a great lineup of players. Uh, the formats were strong, um, and there was a bunch of local guys I'd never met before that could throw some some bloody good spares mate yeah no we'll, we'll touch on that later but great you guess getting you that opportunity because there's no more than just prize money on the line there's other opportunities that that could present itself as well but mate I guess we have to we start because this is the biggest thing that has happened since we last did the show and that was Michael Smith winning the world title world number one and world number one as well I'm pretty sure I called it too I'll we'll have to go back and check the tape yeah I'm pretty sure I said Van Gerwen too but um <laughs> mate, I, said, I, said, I, said, I said Michael he did say Michael. But, you did say Michael. But um, 
during the year before he played better, eh? Through the tournament, Michael Smith. He yeah. just seemed to just have a bit of luck this time around, and then it came to the final, and then he showed up and showed his class. Yeah, well, I don't know. You were obviously over there, and we'll touch on that soon as well, but throughout the tournament, Van Gerwen, to me, had been the most consistent player, and he was he deserved to be the favourite going in. Yeah. For me, Michael Smith had to produce, I'm not going to say an all-time great performance, but he definitely would have had to have produced one of his better performances to win, and I I would say that's what he did, even though Van Gerwen's standard might have been slightly lower than he would seen at the rest of the tournament, but Smith had to take those opportunities, which is things that he has not been able to do in the past. Yeah, yeah, and, and his scoring uh, throughout the whole tournament, Michael Van Gerwen just had his way with players, just scoring. The only chances that other players had was when he was missing doubles, but Michael Smith just kept on him on, on the scores and it was like a it was like a, a reverse from last year. Michael Smith was dominating the whole tournament, got to the final and and Peter Wright p- pipped him and then this time around Michael Van Gerwen was doing what he's doing and it's a it's a new look Michael Smith and not used to that, seeing a guy who's not as aggressive through a tournament but showed up in the finals and now he's a champion. I feel like the floodgates are opened and um yeah, he's gonna kick on. Well, yeah, and I think there was the match where he played against Martin Schindler. Um, I think it was the third round. It was just after Christmas, and he was really pushed in that one. I think Schindler might have actually had a dart to win that one. And Michael spoke about after the game, he said about the mental side of the game and said that he he was it's probably the closest he's been to slipping back into the old habits because he touched on how when he lost in that final last year he knew that was one that got away and he did not want that feeling again so he had been working hard on that side of his game and he said he felt like kind of dripping back into that but he didn't and he said that's probably what got him over the line was he's been working really hard on that aspect of his game yeah and and that's tough that's a that's a, that's a tough combination a guy with his talent now being mentally strong too uh, Martin Schindler had him uh, he just kind of carried on what he was doing, but I think he that's, felt where the the ex- pressure. that's where the experience comes in. Michael Smith's had all these fail, you know, little dips at the end of the line, and this time around it was Schindler's turn to you know put his nose out, get over the line, and Michael Smith just kept doing what he had to, and it wasn't amazing. It wasn't the big one eighties, one forties, and and the big finish. It was just steady hundreds, and then a, and then a strong last start double to win sets and fair play to him. Man. I feel like he if he just does what he does with that mental strength now, he's just going to dominate for a while. Overall thoughts on the final, lots of people were saying it was probably one of the better finals. Do you agree? I just think that that one leg kind of just is the best leg in darts history. Yeah. Um, it just, it, it was, there were so many layers to it. That the Wayne Martel commentary just added so much. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. It was just, it was just a cool moment for darts and it, it went global. Just the excitement. And then, not only that, my, uh, Michael Van Gerwen missed the, the double for the nine data. And in the biggest moment of his life, Michael Smith gives him, a, gives him the, ah, lucky mate. He, ha- he had that moment to do that. And I was thinking, you know, they could have just dropped his, his concentration, but went up and pegged and the rest is history. And that's what you need to do to be a world champion. And that was amazing. Would you like to hear it again? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Michael Van Gerwen is a... In any mood to give him a sniff. Yeah, the the combination finishing in this game is going to be key. You can tell by the way they're scoring. There may be nothing in it. They may both be on nines. Michael may miss and Michael may hit. 
100% the best league of darts ever and what it's done kind of for the sport in terms of the global coverage has been touched on before is absolutely incredible uh, just the clip alone on Twitter has just under 15 million views yeah and then I think there's a New Zealand there's two two New Zealand boys that do the, the overlay on the commentary oh yeah yeah I've seen those that, ones, yeah. that's gone viral yeah like, even listen to that again like goosebumps it was just Someone needs to make a shirt that they're both on a nine. That's oh, a shirt, mate. Oh, <laughs> they're both on a nine. Might, might, might send Wayne an email and we can go into like a collab <laughs> with them. But in, ter- in terms of like yourself, mate, and, and what that's done for darts, because we've seen the guys on NBA, uh, on, on, on not ESPN, TNT, that they were throwing darts. They played the clip on there. It's been on like some of the big MMA shows and the hosts talking about it on social media. Like some of the people talking about it is incredible. And in terms of the global impact, it, to me, this feels like it's going to do more for the game compared to what Fallon did a few years ago. I know what she, what she did got halted by COVID. But yeah. in terms of for yourself, have you have, has there, do you think there's been a bit more of an interest in darts since that moment? Oh, 100%. That, that, that clip alone went, went worldwide. Um, it's just driving it. it, it it's been so many layers to it. I mean, Fallon done what she done. She brought a whole new field of fans to, to the game and and then now, now your hardcore sport fans sees moments like that with that kind of intensity. It's just people that don't normally watch darts are just so interested, and it's good for everybody. Like every, as far as the the best final ever, probably not. I don't think so. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, but it just had moments like that, and it, and it had, you know, the the boy born to be champion, and he went went on and did it. So. Yeah, I think it's just it's just going to put more money in the game. The broadcasting deals and all that will come with it, and and, and everyone's going to get paid, and that's what you want, and it just drives the game up. Well, I think I think the real crucial moment will be how the US Darts Masters go because it, that the that's where the clip had a lot of success, and that's the that's a market the PDC are desperate to try crack, and they do the they do the US Darts Masters. They hit it. It's at, back at Madison Square Garden this year as well. Yeah. So what I'm very curious to see is kind of the whole reaction to the darts being there. And if it is successful there, then that will be a massive step in the right direction. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, if they, if they fill out that stadium, then, you know, they, they might get another one. Because they've got the one of the biggest markets in the world. And you can see PDC pushing China, you know, as well. The Asian series and giving them a tour card, I think. Top three out of the... Um, their tour, it's a uh, tour card. Or oh, really? Yeah, I've, oh, I've wow. heard rumours about that. I might be wrong. But that's, I think that's what I've heard. I think they're really trying to push these markets that have got so much potential in them. 
But, um, yeah, it can only be good. Only be good. And uh, now time for the hard questions, mate. Unfortunately, yourself at the World Champs. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh, well, how, how, how are you feeling? You've had quite a bit of time to reflect on everything and... Yeah. Oh, mate, I'm, I'm, I was gutted I lost initially. I always hate losing. Just It is what it is. But looking back at it, bro, I had chances, you know. I missed a bunch of chances. I had a few waywards here or there. And a mix with Mickey playing as, as well as he did. Uh, yeah, it was just a tough loss. It was a tough loss, but lots of positives to take away from it. Uh, if I get back on that stage again, I don't know, I feel like I'm just playing like at a... You know, at a tournament in Christchurch, at a DPNZ, now the the gloss of the whole thing has kind of, you know, been rubbed off, and I can just kind of play darts now, which is, which is exciting. It's just that these opportunities are far and far and apart. Yeah, I've got a couple of things to throw to you before we take a break here on at the Oki. I looked at some numbers, and I believe out of all the players in the opening two rounds, which includes when the PDs, the top top guys come in. I believe you actually had one of the higher averages. So I think you were you were in the top twenty, I believe, in terms of highest averages from the from the qualifier bits across the two rounds. Oh wow! I think uh, the Scott Williams, Ryan Joyce, they were the only ones that were over the hundred mark. Both were, of them. Both of them in yeah. the same game. And I think actually, out of all the all the players. I think the majority of the players that had the high averages did win, but I think you, Raymond Smith, and there was one other who I can't remember actually lost, and you had an average that was actually higher than the the average for the first two rounds. So I think I think for argument's sake, the average across all the games was about eighty seven, and I think you're about eighty nine. Yeah, yeah. So you had that average there, but then you see guys like, and I'm not picking on him. This is just the first one that comes to mind. Uh, Grant Sampson, who played in the game immediately after you, yeah. he averages about 20 less than you, yeah. and he wins. And you yeah. see that, and you must... Is there, is there a bit of frustration there, thinking, like, it's just the luck of the draw? Or, like, what goes through your mind when you see things like that? Yeah. Oh, man, I just... I don't get the luck of the draw. I mean, the, the draw might be fine, but I just seem to meet players that just play well. And you know, at 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 the initial moment, it's it's hard, but it's just I think if I've, I've got long term plans in this game, so I feel like it's just hardening me for for the bigger moments that come that are coming ahead. Uh, I know I can play guys that are playing at different speeds. I can play guys that are all from all parts of the world or can throw all different types of averages. The thing is, uh, Grant Sampson came into that tournament and no one knew. What I had never do. heard of him. No. Yeah. And then you had a young kid, Keanu Barry, Barry, who had all this hype on him. His first time on that world stage, and you know that's a, a kid's dream. And he got it was just the right mix for for, for um, Grant. But when I go to the tournament, even Modus and just the local scene that I was walking around, I'm surprised that a few DARP fans actually know who I am over there, and and they can they can pull up YouTube and see what I can do and and know that I'm coming for them. Whereas you know if you're a first time debut. And it might not be an, as much like, um, you know, uh, highlight reels and know what to expect. But yeah, Mickey knew what I was what I was about, and yeah, he played. He just played better than me. What were your overall thoughts on the World Champs? From my perspective, they had the great moments. There was some great moments. Like another one for me is that Mentor Sulevich one six one checkout when he played Van Gerwen. Yeah, like that was that was an absolutely jaw dropping stuff to do under that kind of pressure. But 
for me, I felt this the World Champs has gone was not as good as ones previously gone. And I base that theory off... Averages. Not averages. I base it off upsets. Because we, when we watch things like this, you love to see a good upset, right? Yeah. I, I crunched the numbers, and uh, I think in the second round when the seeded players came in, only three got knocked out in, in that second round. Daryl Gurney, who's in a bit of a dip. Yep. I think Cullen Ridge, who played Josh Rock. And I can't remember the other one off the top of my head, so I apologise. But I go back over previous years. The, the world champs before had eight seeds four. 2021 world champs had six. The 2020 had eight. And 2019 had 12. So when I look at that, and then I look at the two World Series events, which we'll touch on later as well, and I don't think any of the qualifiers won in those two, are the top players pulling away from the rest of the field in terms of the skill because what I see is I see these top players are getting better and better because they're getting a lot more opportunities. 100%. And, I, and these other the guys are now struggling to kind of keep up with them and to me that is a little bit concerning. Concerning? Well, I find it concerning because you want you want to have, you want to have some growth across the entire game. You you If you go to get a tour card, you want to know you've got a realistic shot of trying to keep it after two years. And if you're going to continually get drawn against these top guys and you're probably not going to win, it's going to make it a lot harder. Yeah, but the density of the Pro Tour is is just expanding. Uh, these There's guys outside of the top 64 that could go to the world champs and, and be an upset, but the Pro Tour is just developing these players into machines. Okay, what what about the across the, across the globe then? Because... We've, we've had, as I said, 2019, you go back, that was the pre-COVID times. We had 12 of the, the seeds knocked out yeah. in that second round, and lots of them were from these international qualifiers. But based on what I saw, the quality of the international qualifiers was not at the same standard as it has been in previous years. So I guess what would you put that down to? Oh, 100% the layoff um, over COVID. Um, everything was set up for the, for the PDC boys to continue playing darts at a high level where the rest of us were still in COVID restrictions. I mean, last year when we played, people sometimes forget that in New Zealand we didn't start playing darts again until July, uh, or June, sorry, and that was only five months of darts before World Champs. And I know other countries all had other restrictions going on, and that's just, that's just they're, 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 I reckon that's exactly what went down, and a mixture of them just improving with so much density and talent and the rest of the world being under restrictions and not being able to host tournaments like they used to. And then you just look at the BDO, they had to even cancel Lakeside because they couldn't really get things together. And Yeah, credit to the PDC. They're the ones that are you know, obviously got the money and, and they're able to you know put in these systems where other countries couldn't. And there's, your, there's, there's the proof right there in the pudding. All right, it is 19 minutes after nine here on SNZ's At The Oki, brought to you by the Dart Depot. Your Dart Depot is your one-stop shop for all things darts and queue. Visit the dartdepot.co.nz. After the break, we are going to be talking more darts here on SNZ. All right, 24 minutes after eight here on SNZ's At The Oki, brought to you by the Dart Depot, darts, dartboards, lighting, and more and one of the big events that has happened since our last show was the PDC Q School for those that don't know certain players lose their tour cards at the end of the year so a couple of players actually were playing for their tour cards 
at the World Champs and missed out. So then you have to go to Q School and try earn it back to try play on the tour. If you don't get it, you can play on the Challenge Tour and earn a right to win on the tour and win your tour card that way. We've had a bit of an interesting discussion. There's been a few discussions online whether Q School is the right way to go about it. But at the moment, that's how it is. A few of the guys that lost their tour card, won it back straight away, which was good. There were a few guys that have not had a tour card before, and there are a couple of guys who have been off the tour for a few years and got their tour card back. I would say the biggest name to get their tour card back, you'd probably agree with this, is definitely Corey Cadby. 100%. What a great story, bro. Um, Off the game for like four years. I haven't seen him play any tournaments in Australia. Then he just goes, oh, yeah, I'll go back to Q school and has has a bad day the first day, I think. Uh, then gets through to the second round the second day. Um, comes to the second round, has a bad day the first day. Then wins it the second day. He got his tour card back. And that kid's got, he's got, he's got, he's got that X factor. You, you can't deny his talent. So I'll be excited to see what he could do on tour this year. I, I, know, I know a few pros would be, you know, be watching and see what he can do. Yeah, well, Corey Cadby, for those that don't know, it was 2017, I think, in Auckland when Kyle Anderson won. He lost to Kyle Anderson in the final. Last leg. Last leg. And then it was 2018 or 2019, I can't remember the exact year, he lost in the UK Open final to Gary Anderson. Yeah. I think that was the year it was snowed in and they were playing behind closed doors. But So Corey Cadby is no mug. He's an Australian player. And it's going to be great to have him back on tour because... He is a guy that, I think he's a former World Youth Champion too, he's a guy that you probably would tout as a guy who has the capability of winning a world title. But we haven't seen him in a few years that he might not be at that level, but what we have seen of him in the past, he definitely is. Yeah, and such a long layoff. Comes back, has a bunch of 100 averages, a bunch of big finishes. and I mean, there's guys on that tour that will know that he's going to be a problem. Uh, I'm excited to see when Gilbert Price and Corey Cabby get back on the hockey together because the last time they played it was fiery. And now, you know, when Corey left, then Gilbert became world number one and whatnot. So, oh, I can't wait for the fireworks. One thing you did when you were over in the UK, you played on the Motor Series, which we've spoken to you about before. We've had Phil Bars on, who's part, who does some stuff for there as well, Paul Nicholson, another one. The one thing which I found quite interesting was that lots of people that had success at Q School, so... Uh, look at Aaron Monk, we look at Graham Usher, we look at Josh Payne. So these are guys that won their stages and won, won a day, so they won their tour card automatically. These were guys that regularly featured yep. on the Motor Series. So I kind of look at it and I'm thinking, okay, this is obviously gonna a bit of a, a viable option for high-quality darts going forward. It's something that you, you've done... Did, did you get that feeling when you were taking part? Did you did you feel that, look, if I got this opportunity to probably play at this high level more often, I probably would lift my game? Yeah, 100%. Um, and the standard. I mean, uh, Dylan Slevin, who I played over there on the finals night, um, got a, he was the highest ranked on, on the in the UK tour ranking, uh, pro, um, Q school ranking. And, man, they've just got a bunch of them. And when you get in the motors and you're playing first of four, the world's watching. It's it, it's the closest you can get to the pro tour without being in the pro tour, and you know especially for our international players. And then like we said, ADC in Australia is offering Modus World Series uh, Modus uh, spots to go over, fly over, and, and and compete in that. So 
Uh, there's plenty more opportunities coming, and, and I think motors can be a big factor in closing that gap, like we said, with the world champs. What about the ADC? What did you like about playing in that? It's something that has started a few years ago, and it's slowly developing over in this part of the world. Yeah. What What were your initial thoughts about playing in it? Uh, just the quality of the field. Um, the players over there uh, are back in, the, back in the tournament, back in the people behind the tournament. And, um, yeah, that's what I, what drew me to it was uh, the quality. Uh, the prize money was was up, was up on par with, with everyone else's and other big tournaments in the country. And, yeah, I, if, if you're a competitive DAR player, you just want to play where you're going to get the best competition. So if a majority of, 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 of the talent wants to go to a certain area, I'm, I'm just going to go chase that because I just want to get better just like they do. Well, the other cool thing about uh, going back to Q School as well uh, Christian Perez, the first Filipino to play on the tour, and also from France, Jacques Labre, who many thought there was another Frenchman that everyone thought would probably get a tour card first, but Jacques got the tour card. So we've got two new countries represented on the on the pro tour, which is great. Uh, and then there's some other big names there. We say Ronnie Hybricks, the brother of Kim, is back. Jeffrey Deswine has his tour card back. Uh, Nick Kenny, Keegan Brown both got their tour cards back. So you kind of look at the guys who won their tour cards, and then over the last few days, they've just had the Challenge Tour. And you kind of look at the the depth of players just in that, and that's not even on the Pro Tour. And those guys no. play to earn the chance to potentially play on the Pro Tour and win a tour card at the end of it. The standard of that is just incredible as well. Mate, crazy. Over 800 entries to Q School. Um, some people don't know the only way to play in the Challenge Tour is to attend Q School. If you don't play in the Q School, you don't pay your entry fee. You don't get access to the challenge tour, and hmm. yeah, so that's that's how the pathway works. You go to ch- some people just go to Q school just to get their their card to uh, the challenge tour to be able to compete. So, um, mate, there's been plenty of uh, players that are knocked on the door. I think even Cody Harris was when he was doing the challenge tour. I think he was one or two points off from getting his tour card through the challenge tour. But yeah, I was actually not, like that. I was actually talking about this on Twitter. So on the challenge tour in two. Th- Thousand and I've just got to get the numbers up in front of me. 2018, he finished third overall. Yeah. He won one event and I think he reached two finals. He was only he was very short. And then I think it was the 2020 Q School. He did it in Germany. He lost to Dirk van Dijdenbode in the quarterfinals. I think it was, I think it was 2020. He lost in the quarterfinals. If he'd won that game, he would have got his tour card. But because yeah. he lost, he missed out. And I think it was actually the same on. On the challenge tour as well, he lit, I think there was like a couple of guys that he needed not to win on the, yeah, final, on the day. final day, and I think it was Ted Everts that won it, and then he ended up finishing high. And so, look, it's it does have its purpose. Yeah. You have you ever played any challenge tour events? Nah, no. nah. I had to come home last time from the um, isolation, but um, hope I made the final and, and won after we did Q school last year. Um, but yeah, massive fields, mate. So just quickly on Q School, is there anything that you'd potentially change about it? Because uh, I, I I believe, and I think many others believe, that potentially they should almost scrap Q School, or you can do Q School to kind of earn your right to play on the Challenge Tour, and you can win a tour card that way, but they also should have regional spots for tour card holders as well. So let's say for here you'd do a combined Australia and New Zealand one, yeah, you play in tournaments overall, can win a tour card, and you do one for the Asian, the North American, etc. Yeah, the game's going yeah, like the big leg that we've seen with uh, Michael Smith and Michael Van Gogh, and the more co- coverage it's going to get, 
the more people are going to be interested in. You can't be doing Q school when you pay an entry fee. Then you're going to end up with 2,000 players that are playing for 30-odd cards. I feel like if you want to be a global sport, you need to have global representation across the board. And even if it was a, 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 a Q school type of setup, but they had qualifiers back in their in their home states or you know regions or whatever, and then say you'd say like say four from New Zealand, eight from Australia, and then you just go maybe eight from America, and then you just come all together. Maybe there might be sixty four players that are qualified for the region. Come in playing for the other thirty something odd cards. You've done Q school before, and you know exactly how hard it is. Of course, I haven't, but I've seen how hard it is. Yeah. But even though it's hard, you also sometimes need a little bit of luck to go your way. Yeah, hundred percent. I lost to a guy who averaged a hundred against me, and then the very next game he averaged seventy two. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the story of a professional career, mate. Oh, mate. People just get up. They just get up against me. That they just see an opportunity to. But isn't that a good thing though? Because it obviously they obviously see you as a threat. Yeah, man. That's that's what I'm talking about. I'm getting confidence from that. I'm getting confidence and. People trying to manipulate certain moments in the game to to try and change my mind because they don't want me. That's how I feel, you know. They don't want me to be in my peak kind of mental state, and I just go forward. I'm just be confident with everything, and mate, when people know your name and over there and and, and that kind of stuff, it's just yeah, it's pretty exciting, bro. I feel like all the ingredients are there. I just gotta start learning how to cook them. Big rigs cooking, eh? Big rigs cooking. <laughs> Uh, it is uh, 26 away from 9 here on At The Oki here on SENZ. Coming up after the break, we will talk a bit about the Premier League, which gets underway next week because we kind of know who the four, four, Only four, four players are. Only four. This is a new thing for but, the PDC. And then you've got about one, two, three, four. You've got about half a dozen, or no, actually, sorry, a dozen players competing for the last four spots. So we're going to discuss who we think will make the Premier League after the break here on At The Hockey, brought to you by the Dart Depot, Dart Star Boards, Lighting and More, the Dart. 21 minutes away from nine here on SCNZ's At The Hockey, brought to you by the Dart Depot, Dart Star Boards, Lighting and More, the Dart Depot. First show back for 2023. Plenty has happened in the world of darts since we were last on air. And joining me in studio to talk all about this is New Zealand's number one ranked player, Big Rig Ben Rob. Actually, because the rankings are done every year, are you still technically classified as New Zealand's number oh, one player? I'm just going to go with it, bro. I'm just going right. to roll with it. Right. <laughs> I, I think I've said it enough, so I, I, th- I think my say is probably quite important. But what also is very important is that on February the 3rd, it might be New Zealand time. Just check my calendar. Yes, February 3rd, New Zealand time. The Premier League is back for 2023. So for those that are just new to the sport, because darts has got quite a big following of late, uh, eight players that are essentially named, and they play across 16 weeks, I think it is, and then the top four after that, then playing a finals night and then the winner will pocket a lot of money that doesn't go on their rankings it's essentially how it works uh, they changed the format last year where you get a random draw and then you potentially play three games so you they'll do the draw you win that you go to the semis you win that you go to the final you get bonus money if you win the night usually it's the top four players in the world that take part in it so at the moment it's Michael Smith Michael Van Gerwen Peter Wright and Gerwen Price and there will be four other names added, most likely after the Masters this weekend. Usually in the last couple of years, the winner of the Masters gets a spot in, and that's how Johnny Clayton and Joe Cullen, despite being lower down the rankings, made it. 
but there's no guarantees those two guys will be in it this year. So we've got a few names here. I'm going to throw them at you. Yeah. So you know four. Yeah. So I want you to pick four more from this list. And look, there could be a guy on this list that you know makes it, and you can more than welcome throw it my way. But I want to get your opinion to see whether you think they'll make it or not. Yeah. Right. Uh, Luke Humphreys. Yeah. All right, he's in. All right, so Luke Humphreys makes it five. Yeah. Who's actually number five in the world, funnily enough. Nathan Aspinall lost in two major finals last year. He's back to probably his best form since his injury. Does he make it? I don't think so. He's not making it. Joe Cullen? I don't think so. Oh, so last oh, year's finalist. Yeah. Who had one dart to win it at double 16. Your nemesis at the world champs. Uh, he's not making it. Johnny Clayton, a previous winner. I think so. So Johnny Clayton's in. So you got two spots left. Yep. Dimitri Vandenberg. I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> I think there'll be a few people that aren't very happy about that. Ross Smith. I don't think so. Ross Smith, too early for him. Josh Rock. I do think so. You think Josh Rock's going to make it? I do think so. Explain yourself. He's a hype train. Uh, people don't understand the Premier League is a hype business. It's not the pro tour and whatnot it's about putting bums on seats and getting people talking about darts and there's no one more that people are talking about than than josh rock all right yeah okay okay that's that's your answer you're entitled to your opinion that's what it's like here at snz you're allowed to have an opinion without because if it was based solely on performance it should just be the top eight in the world true okay yeah you're completely right there so you've got one spot left. So you've got the top four, Luke Humphreys, Johnny Clayton, Josh Rock. So I've got one, two, three, got four names here. I'm going to give them all to you, and you can say whether you think that will be one of these guys or give your own one. All right. Dirk Van Dydenboder, Danny Noppet, Rob Cross, or Gabrielle Clements? Gabrielle Clements. Oh! Oh! Yeah. And, the, and the, my whole reasoning behind that is... The amount of people from Germany that watched him play that semi-final just just blew off the charts for, for the PDC. And why would you not jump on that? They, if the German fans had a German player in the Premier League, y- y- your views, your broadcasting deals, this is what you want. This is what they're doing. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It. They're hyping it. And at the moment, if, if, if the ball's rolling hot with certain players, just r- run with them. There's players that are going to be disappointed. And if it was based on performance, like I said, you would just pick the top eight in the world, but it's it's not that type of tournament. And I think they do have one night in Germany. There is They do one of the Premier League nights in Germany, I'm pretty sure, and they do one in the Netherlands, and then there's a couple in Scotland and Wales and Ireland and, of course, England. And people get surprised when I say this, but darts in Germany at the moment is the second most watched sport on their main broadcast network. Same in the That's Netherlands. So cool. And on Sky Sports, it's the second most behind the Premier League football. When you think about the cricket, you think about rugby league or all these other, <laughs> all these other sports. Rugby league. Rugby league. Uh, so it's quite incredible that darts is up there, but it shows you that they've got it. So, look, I, I, I can see your thinking behind Gabrielle Clements. If it was me, yeah. if it was me, and you might have swung me on Gabrielle Clements because I have to admit and I definitely know I said this, and I, I'm not going to go back into the tape because I know I definitely said I thought he was going to lose early in the tournament at the World Champs and he ended up making the semifinals. Semi-final. So. And played amazing, bro. Like, and he did. He deserved to be there. He did. Uh, the match where he played Jim Williams, I thought Jim Williams had him, and I like Jim Williams. Yeah, but and the, he did. You were right. He had him. He had him, but uh, I, Gabriel Clements, he's got to take my hat off to him. He, he was really good. 
And he also beat a guy who walked out on stage with earmuffs. How, how distracting <laughs> is that? Oh. Oh, <laughs> Do we forget I've, to touch on that? I, I did. Okay. Well, okay. Now that you've brought us my attention, we've got a couple of minutes here. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, I think he had a brain explosion and thought he was going to, I don't know what he was thinking, but it just backfired. I don't know if he was trying to get on Clemens' head or or what, but, you know, he, he was he was antagonizing the crowd. And then he put him on, and then he did the whole ear thing again and was like, can't hear you, can't hear you. I was like, now you will because they're going to get even louder. Have you, ever, have you ever played wearing anything in your ears before? Nah, nah, I feel like that would be a distraction. Or you're showing a crowd that loves to be a part of the game a weakness, and they're thinking, "Oh, I can get, a part, I can be a part of this." So we've seen players. I know Barney, Mervyn King, a couple of names that jump to mind that have had like the in ear, like the ones you see on the building site, which you've probably worn before. Yeah. But Gurren Price walked out wearing earmuffs and earplugs underneath them and when, ear- he, when he took them off the plugs are in his ears as so well I was so confused when I saw it because I was like those are earmuffs but they kept on saying headphones they, they were saying well yeah they were saying headphones I thought he had music on for a second yeah so and I didn't think that was allowed but what what had happened is I think he had it approved yep. for the game against Barney but they don't wear them and then I what I understand is Michael Van Gerwen said to him he said you don't have the balls to wear those mate so egged him on. He egged him on because I think Van Gerwen was on after him. <laughs> and he, and he, he said that. He said, you don't have the balls to wear them, mate. And he did. But uh, the whole aftermath of that where he comes out, he pretty much deletes every social media thing and says, I might not play again. That was probably a bit of an overre- overreaction. overreaction. Yep, 100%. I mean, he's playing Premier League, but he's back playing rugby, which I think is pretty risky. Uh, a game that's driven by aggression and contact. One, one, one bad hit to the hand. And and you've lost your million dollars a year almost, and they're going to be targeting. I mean, you play any guy at rugby. If you if you got any kind of name to you, mate, they're going to smash you. All right, I've got one more question, but I will get back to the task at hand. Right, my, yeah. my Premier League was I had Humphreys, I did have Aspinall, I did have Cullen because he was in the final last year, and I probably was going to have Demi, but I quite I actually prefer the lineup you gave. So uh, I'm going to yeah. be on your side for that. Uh, my thing is, is, I reckon it could be either Johnny Clayton or Demi. That's what yeah. no, I was unsure about. Yeah. Just because two guys, that crowd loves them, and they'll get behind them. And after saying that, I've completely forgot what I was going to ask you. Ah. It was to do It was to do with wearing headphones on the stage and all that. Oh, that's what it was. So from your experience playing Girl and Price and what yep. you know of Girl and Price, do you think people actually genuinely hate Girl and Price? Or do you think the booing is just what I would describe as a bandwagon? Oh, because my mate's doing it. I'll do it because the reason why I ask this is because I see a guy in the te- like the tennis at the moment. We've got the Aussie Open on Nick Kyrgios. Everyone seems to hate him. In a poll a few years ago, he was rated as the second most hated athlete behind two between sandwiched <laughs> in between two convicted murderers. <laughs> oh my god! And I, I kind of felt okay. So do people actually hate Nick Kyrgios? I want to give. I want a reason why you hate him. So do you think people actually hate Gerwin Price, or is it just oh my mate does it, so I'll do it? Yeah, it's, been, it's just become part of his identity, eh? Uh, when he walks out, he gets booed and whatnot. Um, he doesn't help himself. You know? To be fair, no, you're right, like, right. You know, like, oh, he's a great guy. I've met him multiple times. He's, he's a good person. He's got a lot of time for people. He'll shake hands, take photos. But when he gets up there and he just, he eggs the crowd on, and then when he gets a reaction, then it bothers him, and it's like, you don't want to be doing that game. Because he, he, he pretty much got the crowd on 
against him when he had that Gary Anderson, but it felt like he would turn it all around when he beat Van Gerwen to win the Grand Slam, I think it was for the third time. But yep. then it's just got even worse. Yeah, it's just the unnecessary roaring. That, and when he does roar, he looks at his opponent. Yeah. like And, you know, that's why players and fans are kind of like, you know, that's why they kind of d- disagree with. Whereas Michael Van Gerwen, when he does it, it's just all in his own little head. But Gerwen Price is trying to get into his opponent's head. 11 minutes away from nine here on At The Oki. After nine o'clock, we cross to Australia for live coverage of the Australian Open, but we will wrap things up after the break here on SENZ. The Dart Depot is proud to be partnering with SENZ to bring you the very best in darts. Oki, oki, oki. Oi, oi, oi. Talking darts, this is At The Oki on SENZ. We're almost wrapping up here on At The Oki, our first show back for 2023. I have New Zealand's number one player, Ben Robb, in studio with me. And, mate, we'll be back in a couple of weeks, but what have you got coming up? Yeah, uh, busy busy month, February, uh, especially in Christchurch. Uh, with a test match and on the 3rd of uh, Feb, uh, Aussies flying over. Uh, and it's a full weekend of darts, mixed ladies, men's singles, doubles, it's everything. So if you can get to Christchurch at the start of February, get amongst it. It's good for players for trying to learn and get better. Uh, and then the 25th and the 26th of Feb, the DPNZ tour kicks off and the slate's clean. Everyone's coming down to try and do what I did last year pretty much and and get to those TV spots. So if you have if you have intentions of wanting to play on TV, if you have these dreams and passions, it starts on the 25th of this of February in Christchurch. Get amongst it. It's open to anyone. You don't need no criteria. Why are you looking at me? Because you come down and have a go, mate. You're playing well. No, absolutely not, mate. <laughs> Come on, bro. Yeah, everybody always tells me, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Get in there. No, uh, my, my plan is to give Birkenhead a go uh, when that, that's in March, I think. Yeah. But um, I've got, just telling you, I've injured my wrist doing playing darts, I think, because I play darts too much. <laughs> so I'm trying to rest it up a little bit. But every time I have a bit of a throw, it's a bit all over the place. But I'm, I'm, I'm desperate, mate. I wanted to make it work, so we'll, we'll give it a go. Yeah. Just, maybe maybe we need to have a game and you can just kick my ass a couple of times. Get and, like, motivation get up. There you go. You're like, man, I don't want to lose to this guy anymore. I'll be like, yes, I finally had a double against him. <laughs> <laughs> but no, mate, that's quite exciting. But the last question I have for you is, uh, are you going to jam out the hucker? the test match <laughs> let us like cup up for grabs we'll see mate uh, clear the pipes <clears throat> see, how, see how we're going Who's, who, okay out of all the New Zealand darts players who would lead a hucker I reckon Hopai Puha he just with a name like Hopai Puha it sounds like you should be leading the and hucker are you the guy at the back who sticks the tongue out going ah. nah mate I'm the one right behind the leader mate showing him how it's done Good on you, mate. Good on you. I like it. I like it. But that's all we've got time for here on At The Yockey for this week. We'll be back in a couple of weeks' time and hopefully have the new world champion, Michael Smith, on the show. He was meant to be with us today, but he's been such a busy man. They they kindly asked if we could put it off, so we granted his wish, so hopefully he'll be on the show next time. Ben, been an absolute privilege and pleasure. Thank you, you, mate. In a couple of weeks' time.